Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to Voice Rising with Kara Johnstad. Enjoy weekly conversations with leading luminaries, pioneering visionaries, singers, poets, musicians, and sound healers as we explore the profound role our voice plays on the path to self-realization and global enlightenment. The internationally acclaimed singer, composer, author, healer, recording artist, voice expert, creator of Voice Your Essence, and founder of the School of Voice, Kara Johnstad uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower others. Everything in this world vibrates. Everything has a frequency, a pioneer in the field of voice work and transformational songwriting. Her breakthrough methods are helping thousands of people worldwide fine-tune their body-mind-spirit system and unlock the energetic frequencies of limitless creativity, health, and abundance. Share your voice. Ask your questions. Join in the conversation. Receive life-changing, positive transformation and rise together to create a sound world. And here's your host, Kara Johnstad. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today, I am in studio with Tammy Simon, founder of Sounds True, a multimedia publishing company dedicated to disseminating spiritual wisdom. Tammy has devoted her life to transformation and empowerment. She is host of a popular weekly podcast called Insights at the Edge, where she has interviewed many of today's leading teachers. And today we want to dive into what it means to be true, how we can stay true to what matters to us, and how we can create a sound world together and be a voice for this world. Welcome, Tammy, to Voice Rising. It's so good to have you with me today. Wonderful to be with you. Yeah. So, Tammy, in all your work um, as founder of Sounds True, you speak from the heart and with a commitment to transform the grist of life into golden nuggets of wisdom. Your company is committed to creating a sound world, and no matter what is going on around us, connected to this current, this river, our soul's journey Talk to us a little bit about where you are personally at this moment in time and what sense or how you sense is the way moving forward with authenticity in these sometimes murky waters. Mm -hmm. Uh Well, thank you for the question. And I think it's important to give context that I founded Sounds True almost 36 years ago. So I have been at this same venture, adventure now for more than three and a half decades. And in many ways, Sounds True is a flower that keeps on blooming. It keeps Mm -hmm. on opening petal by petal by petal. And so I can share with you what the latest opening uh, petals are that are 
attempting to meet people where they are at this time. And I'll just underscore three at the moment. And that's about sounds true. And then maybe I'll tell you something about me personally and my own unfolding journey and how these two interlap. So the three petals, the first is that we started a foundation a couple of years ago because as the company became profitable and successful and it was clear that we could achieve our financial goals for our employees, we wanted to lower all the barriers to access to the material we publish and make sure that people who didn't have financial means could have access to what we created. So we have the Sounds True Foundation. Then the second thing is we created an incubator for conscious businesses. It's called the Inner NBA. And our goal through this nine-month training program is to teach people the inner wisdom skills needed to animate conscious businesses in the world with the belief that conscious business is rising today. We need it to rise and we need people to be trained on how they manage themselves, not so much how they manage other people, and also how to create exceptional teamwork at work. And then the third thing is that we're working on a big new project, it sounds true, which is creating a subscription service at soundstrue.com. And that's something we're planning to launch later this year. But as I said, all three of these things, they're just the, the latest evolution of a business that's been evolving for 36 years. And then with me personally, uh, I've uh, been in a relationship with a woman named Julie Kramer for, this will be our 20th year anniversary this year. And Julie hey. is from Can Julie's from Canada. She's from British Columbia. And Beautiful. one of our shared dreams has been to build a home in British Columbia, and that will be complete this year, and we'll be spending time there. And I say all that because that's an important way to be in that kind of wild nature up on mm -hmm. an island that is eight hours north of Vancouver, spending time kayaking, and uh, hopefully being in dialogue with uh, seals, dolphins, and orcas. Uh, this is what feeds my soul, and I am hopeful that that inner nourishment in me will also keep Sounds True operating at a level of depth. Fantastic. There you have it. That's what's Fantastic. up with me. Fantastic. That is like a lotus moment. That is, I mm -hmm. asked you about murky waters, and that's like a blossoming big-time moment, right? That's fantastic. Um, I'm yeah. sitting over here in Germany, and I read that you were very touched by the words of Hermann Hesse and Hesse, and he has his book called Damien, and, and that when you were 16 years old, because you were talking about that you were in this for a long time, so I mean three and a half decades, that's a long time, um, he wrote, I wanted only to live in accord with the promptings which came from my true self. Why was this so very difficult? What, yeah, what, did you, what changed in you? Because obviously your company and your life is dedicated to truth. I mean, to mm -hmm. what resonates as truth. Mm -hmm. If I see it from the outside, you're very drawn to... Um, yeah, what is resonating for you as true? So how did these words change you at that young um, age and change your life's trajectory? 
that brought you then letztendlich, mm -hmm. letztendlich auf Deutsch, in the end to, um, yeah, to creating mm -hmm. sounds true. Well, I think we have to go back to what I felt like on the inside as a 16-year-old, which is I felt alone, mm -hmm. alienated, and I would say a little like I didn't belong in the world. Mm -hmm. So when I read Damien and when also I read the book Siddhartha and Narcissus and Goldman, and I had a whole shelf of books by Herman Hesse. And in my family, uh, my family, they weren't readers. So there weren't very many books in the whole house. So first of all, I wow. felt a little odd right then that here I was collecting bookshelves uh, filled with books. And, you know, and, and, and to be honest, uh, you know, my alienation expressed itself as judgment that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my parents weren't that bright, etc. Okay, anyway, so as I read these books, I loved them. I loved them so much. And I felt actually that my soul was reflected in the pages of the books in a way that I couldn't see it reflected in my outer life at the time. So the mm -hmm. books themselves became a refuge for me. And when I read the lines, I only wanted to follow the promptings of my true heart. Why was that so very difficult? Of course, I felt it was difficult at the time to follow my mm -hmm. promptings, the promptings of my true heart. You know, here I am also, I'm Uh, attracted to young women. And, you know, now, mm -hmm. as we say that in the era we live in, it's not that big a deal. But six decades ago, for me, in the environment I was in, I think that was part of what contributed to me feeling like an outsider. I think spiritually, I also felt like an outsider. My uh, parents were Jewish, and we would go to temple, and I would ask them, you know, do you believe in the prayers? What's God to you? Yeah. And they just looked at me like, what are you talking about? No, this yeah. is just, we're cultural, we're cultural Jews. We're rational mm -hmm. people, Tammy. Of course we don't. Of course we don't believe in God. That was superstition for people a long time ago. But there was something inside me that was awestruck, awestruck when they went and opened up the ark, which held the Torah, and the mm -hmm. Torah was raised. And I knew there was something sacred. So I realized at a young age whether it was because of the kind of deep spiritual instinct I had or whether it was because of my sexual orientation or, and this is part of it, I also didn't fit in academia, I later discovered, yeah, that I had yeah. a different way of learning than memorizing abstract views that other people put out and then repeating them back in an analytical fashion. That wasn't how I learned or grew as a person. So then I didn't fit into the basic value structure that I was born into. And so for me to follow the promptings of my true heart has been a path, as they talk about in Jungian psychology, of individuation. I had to individuate, which means to separate from the cultural norms and be willing to follow the inner breadcrumbs that keep leading me step by step, and it's a kind of never-ending process, to what I know is an integrity for myself, whether or not it's popular, whether or not I'm going to be rewarded for it, whether or not it's going to go over well with other people. I have to, to use the language that you used in the beginning of our conversation, be true, be true to that inner soul calling. Be true to that inner soul calling, um, you ended up then, if if I um, learned this correctly, you were studying philosophy 
trying to figure that all out, and then you switched to religion, and then you went on a big journey to Sri Lanka and India, and um, yeah, what did you learn on that journey that touched you so deeply that you decided to bring back? Sure. I think what's interesting too is part of the reason I went on that journey was that I made a friend who was at mm. Swarthmore College, the college I was at, and he was mm -hmm. a professor there for one year on a Fulbright scholarship. So it's mm -hmm. interesting because so often in my life, the breadcrumbs of what to do next and where to go next come from a feeling I have of relatedness to certain people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I always trust that. I always trust that. Like, Basically, it's a kind of like falling in love. Uh, it's, you know, it's not a sexual falling in love, but it's just like, oh, my God, I love that person. I want to be yeah, near them. Yeah. I want to be with them. Uh, I want to know what they know. So I had that experience with this professor in the religious studies department, and I went with his wife and three kids back to Sri Lanka. And mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to discover the path of meditation from a Burmese meditation master, S.N. Goinka. And mm -hmm. Goinka and his method of the Pasana meditation has become quite popular over the past three and a half decades. I was fortunate. I got to study with Goinka himself at the time. Wow. I didn't even, I didn't realize I was fortunate. I didn't know. I was just like, oh, he, he's a businessman. In that sense, he reminds me a little of my father. Interesting. And he's teaching <laughs> this boot camp, boot camp style of meditation. So it was a 10-day retreat. You wake up at 5 a.m. You're in noble silence the entire time for 10 days. And you go to bed at 10 at night. And there are meditation sessions. And then you eat in silence. So I loved the intensity and rigor of these 10-day retreats. And I think as a result, I was able to touch in to... I think you used this phrase, something about the river inside of us, the current mm -hmm. inside mm -hmm. of us. And I think I was able to touch that really consciously and in a concentrated way for the first time during those 10-day retreats. And that changed me. It, it changed me forever because what it did was it planted in me the notion that I could somehow use my life energy to introduce other people to that same amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals from courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen management concepts optimizes your professional development online in person individually or groups it's training that's measurably better Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Full current that is in each of us and it's available and there are different contemplative means to get there. And that's what I wanted to do with my life. I, I knew that and I gave myself to it fully. Beautiful. 
This is the next part of your journey that fascinated me as someone who is so curious about voice and sound. You return from that journey, having been introduced to meditation or having experienced that, and um, and and you were very emaciated or very tired and 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 very thin. And what you said though is that you stopped talking. And and I was wondering, how could, yeah, how could somebody so full of life and so full of curious curiosity come back from this big trip? Most people would be showing their their postcards and <laughs> their pictures and babbling like the brook. And you write that you stopped talking, and yet there must have been some transition because somewhere along, like I I don't know how 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 many months it was, but you started then sounds true, many voices, one path, and you are speaking, leading, interviewing, and publishing the voices of some of the world's greatest spiritual teachers. And yet you had a moment where you were not speaking. Can mm-hmm. you share a little well, bit about actually, that? Yeah. yeah, it's actually pretty easy to explain. I became quite disintegrated, disintegrated mm-hmm. as I was in Sri Lanka. After I did this first 10-day retreat, I decided I wanted to do a second one. So I went up to ah. Goenka's center in Igatpuri, and then I wanted to do a third one, and then I went to Kathmandu, and I did a fourth one. And I was unable to take, at the time, with the nervous system platform that I had, I was unable to integrate the depth of that experience with being a normal functioning person. And I got hepatitis from eating street food in Mm -hmm. India and ended up being uh, shipped home weighing, uh, you know, 90 pounds and uh, fingertips being yellow. And at that time, this is the time that alarmed my parents that I wasn't talking. I was very aware that often, if not most of the time, people talk in order to fill space and that people are uncomfortable with open, empty space. And at the time, I was very comfortable with space. I loved space. In fact, I was kind of living in outer space, if you want to know the truth, meaning I didn't have my feet on the ground. I wasn't integrated as a person, as I said. And so I was like, you know, I'm not going to say a word in order to fill space. I'm not going to do it. So I'll mm-hmm. respond if somebody talks to me. You remember, I'm 21 years old, you know, yeah, I'm 21. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm just exploring the world at the time. And I was like, I'm not going to fill space. I make a commitment. In fact, By doing that, I will uh, help other people start to know what space is. All I really did was make other people feel intensely uncomfortable. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, the friends of my parents were like, you better take her to a psychiatrist right away. You know, what has happened to your daughter? And, of course, my parents, uh, who called me Big Mouth as a child, were terrified that I had, you know, somehow ruined myself on this trip to Asia. So, you know, that happened for a few months. And then I started getting my feet back on the ground. But interestingly, I stopped meditating for quite some time. And I stopped meditating because every time I meditated, I would shake in a certain kind of way. Like I had a kind of Mm -hmm. Kundalini disorder. I wasn't all put together right. And at the time, I didn't know what to do. I talked to several different meditation teachers. I even tried to study with a Kundalini meditation master. 
none of it helped. And I didn't want to walk around um, shaking like uh, somebody who had a tick or something like that. So I just decided to stop meditating. And here's the key, start working. And I just started working. And I started working, editing uh, tapes on a big reel-to-reel. I started working by interviewing spiritual teachers, partially so I could better understand what had happened to me on my journey to Asia, so I could integrate psychologically and understand those components. And, you know, sometimes I would stay up all night because I had a lot of energy as a young person, one or two nights a week working. But what happened was somehow my physical self started blending and merging with my expanded spiritual self. And I started coming into balance as a person. And it was through this commitment to service to really bring these teachings to other people and then just working long hours that I started to come into a kind of harmony. And then it wasn't actually until I met a meditation teacher who taught a body-based approach, an approach called somatic meditation, a gentleman named Reginald A. Ray, Reggie Ray, when I was 39 years old, that I started doing intensive meditation retreats again. So really, I was afraid to do intensive meditation because I didn't want to, you know, just use everyday language, trip all my switches again and, and be a weirdo. But when I learned how to ground myself differently in the energy of the earth, I was able to go on multi-week meditation intensives. And it was that earth grounding piece that I needed. Beautiful. We're going to take a short break and be back with Tammy Simon, founder of Sounds True. The cutting edge of conscious radio, Om Times Radio, IOM FM. Om Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Connect at omtimes.com. Om Times, creating a more conscious lifestyle. Life is a flow, and enlightenment is simply harmonizing with the way life really is. Then you find that life is effortless, benevolent, and free of all suffering. Hey everyone, this is G.P. Walsh, and I want to invite you to my brand new radio show that's launching right here on Home Times Radio called The Flow of Enlightenment. I've been a spiritual teacher for decades, and my greatest pleasure is being able to share with you these deep and highly practical spiritual ideas. So join me in The Flow every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, and let yourself be transformed. With happy clients all over the world, Kara Johnstad knows that your voice is the missing link to more authenticity, abundance, creativity, and health. An internationally acclaimed voice expert, Kara's breakthrough methods have helped thousands of people successfully heal their voice wounds and extinguish the story of self-doubt and shyness forever. Join in group trainings, attend online sessions, Schedule one-on-one time and invite Kara to work with your organization and community. Get started today. 
go to www.karajohnstad.com and receive a special guided meditation designed to fine-tune your inner voice and welcome you on the voice journey. The United States has the highest rate of incarceration in the world. At the Equal Justice Initiative, we believe mass incarceration has to end. There is this presumption of dangerousness and guilt that gets assigned to black and brown people. We have to confront our history of racial injustice and commit to a new era of truth. There's something better waiting for us, something that feels more like freedom. Truth can inspire change. Please learn more at EJI.org. Hi, this is Kara Johnstad. You are at Voice Rising. I am your host, and I'm in studio today with Tammy Simon, founder of Sounds True, a multimedia publishing company dedicated to disseminating spiritual wisdom. And we are talking about sound and being true. And we just left off with somatic meditation and having an embodied meditation practice. And I was going to ask you, Tammy, what is for you awareness in action or what changed for you in having that somatic embodied spiritual practice compared to just sitting in vipassana and and how is this mm-hmm. important in this time because I, I feel like we're you know we're in a global pandemic we are we are really at a turning point in many places and um it seems like it's good to come back and be grounded when we face all mm-hmm. these issues yeah mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, truthfully, uh, at any time, it's so mm-hmm. important to be grounded and literally connected to the energy of the earth. You know, I- I'm going to get mm-hmm. to somatic meditation in a moment, but there's an energy healer that we work with at Sounds True. Her name's Anne Marie Shiasan. And one mm-hmm. of the things she said in one of her recordings that really got my attention. She said specifically for women, but really for all of us, that if we don't have a way to resource ourselves, to draw into our bodies the energy of the earth up into ourselves, we will Mm -hmm. run out of gas after age 40. We just will. Mm -hmm. We won't have it. And that Mm -hmm. this is a, a requirement for us. So a type of plugging in and being plugged in and being informed and being animated. You know, we started by talking about the petals, both the petals of my relationship and the petals of Sounds True, growing from uh, like a lotus from this deep root that is in in the mud. And, you know, you could say the mud is the part of us that's unformed or messy or needs to be transformed. But I also think it's literally the, the mud and, and muck and the rich fertility of the earth. So when I learned somatic meditation, what I learned how to do was open up my body, literally the perineal gateway, open that up nice and big and wide so that a stream of energy from the earth could come up and fill not just my physical space, but the entire energetic space that I'm in. And that way I could become more of an earth-informed person. And I think this has served me in all kinds of ways. I think 
from a meditative standpoint, it served me in being able to withstand higher and higher voltage energies, just having the capacity, like being grounded, kind of like, uh, uh, you know, I don't know anything about electronics or anything like that, but, you know, you have to have that grounding wire in. It was kind of like that. It was a, a grounding wire. So withstanding higher voltage energy, and then in a practical way, you know, uh, in business sounds true now employees, you know, upwards of 140 people. And mm-hmm. we have a lot of different projects with a lot of different moving parts and complexity. And there's absolutely no way to be able to be the CEO of an organization like that without a tremendous amount of groundedness and capacity to recharge because there are curveballs that come up every day. Every day is a yeah. set of curveballs. And you just got to be able to to field them in a very grounded way. And then you mentioned the pandemic. And then, of course, there's this time where no matter how grounded we are, we feel the uncertainty of the collective. We feel this time of great collective transformation. And mm-hmm. we we need our inner resources so that we can be a source of grounded, sane energy for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we have many, many issues facing humanity or facing the planet, right? So pandemic is is one of the many um, species extinction, climate crisis. Um, you share a practice in your work, a powerful practice of being true, which is the deathbed contemplation. And how can we imagine that practice? And again, in this time of suffering, can we see it as a great... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Great opportunity to, to relax into more trust that we all know that we've been born. I mean, if we're having a conversation. And we all know at some point our life is going to end in this body or in this place or whatever we want to say you know, in this big mysterious uh, picnic that we're having. Um, is it, yeah, and I was, I was just thinking, it seems like that is, that is something that's coming up is grief, it's grief, it's loss. People are dying more in our communities, and yet there are people all over the world in Yemen and many countries where poverty and, and, and hunger have been affecting them for many years where people have not looked at it. What is the deathbed contemplation and how does this help us actually to honor 
perhaps more the life that we have been given. Mm -hmm. So just for a moment, I'm going to separate uh, the grief of our time and the grief that's in the collective and the deathbed meditation. And the deathbed meditation, I think, is intuitive. It's intuitive Mm -hmm. to all of us because we get it in the deepest part of our inner knowing that we are going to die, even if we pretend we're not, whatever. We know it. We all know Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And yet we don't bring it to the center of our contemplative life, the center of our reflection. So I think doing a deathbed meditation is something that is it's just in us as human beings. Mm-hmm. It's right there mm-hmm. in all of ourselves. And it's simply contemplating. And you can do this, you know, lying down, even take a few hours, go into a dark room, turn all the lights off and pretend. You're just pretending. Pretend mm-hmm. you're dying. Pretend it's, pretend mm-hmm. it's over. And you're looking back at your life. And look at what you prioritized. Did you prioritize mm-hmm. friendships? Did you prioritize people? Did you prioritize some kind of accomplishment or fame or money? Like, what did you put first in your life? What did you put second? Who do you wish you had said something to that you never said something to? What went unrepaired, unfinished? What apology didn't you make? Mm -hmm. What do you wish you had done that you didn't do, really? And just tell yourself the truth. Pretend that it's over. And I think that's one of the advantages. You know, I spent, uh, as I mentioned to you, after I learned the somatic meditation approach, I spent a bunch of time in deep retreat. And some of that retreat was in solitary retreat. And one of the things I realized being in solitary retreat is I naturally did this. There wasn't anything else to do. You know what I mean? At a certain point after I went through everything in my mind and my life and made lists of the things that I needed to do. And I got back and okay, what else? Nothing. There's nothing. I'm just meditating. And then I started reflecting in a very deep way about my life and the priorities that I had and were there small or large chiropractic adjustments that I needed to make. Now, another way sometimes that people teach this that I also think is useful is imagine the uh, eulogy that will be given when you die. Mm -hmm. Imagine what will be written about you really by the people closest to you. So imagine it's a few days after you've died and there's your obituary. What do you think about it? What do you think about your obituary? Is it what you want it to say? And if not, what are you going to do differently? So it's a way to make a course correction while you're still living by just imagining that it's the end of your life. And yeah, we we can make a course correction right now, right now. doesn't have to be a big deal and you don't have to do a big three hour ritual or anything. You kind of know, even I think people know, even as you're listening to me, we intuitively know the course corrections we need to make, but it takes courage to do it. Uh, It takes a kind of boldness and it takes putting your real values first and not being afraid that if you don't put those other things for, you know, you're going to not be okay financially or whatever. No, Mm -hmm. this is what really matters. You have to put it first. Now, in terms of grief and what's happening in the world, you mentioned species extinction. 
And I know when it comes to the treatment of animals, that's one of the places where my heart breaks the most. And we all have places when we look out in the world that our heart breaks. And I think grief is one of those things, unfortunately, that we don't know very well as a human culture right now how to process. And I think part of the reason we don't know how to process it well is that, and this is something I've learned from someone, it sounds true, who's written several books for us on emotions. She wrote a book Mm -hmm. called The Language of Emotions. Her name's Carla McLaren, that grief is best done with other people, that grief is something that's done collectively. And so we're left on our own with our grief and we don't quite know how to process it. And so I think it's important to share our grief with other people and to not feel like there's something wrong with us because we're grieving. No, it's natural. It's human. We need to grieve with others, honor our grief. Our grief tells us what we care about. And that's important. And that's why community is so important and why it's, at least I think you also saw the pictures. I mean, I produce a lot in Italy and to see knowing how strong the families are in Italy and to see people having to say goodbye to their relatives in drive-bys, basically, is really, um, yeah, it's really hard, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard, yeah. I I want to kind of move into the idea of, when when I think of my own, life i guess and we talked about you know being misfits and being original and being wildly original um let's get to the snowflake theory let's get to the snowflake theory because we can dive into snowflakes it seems to find our true voice we have to deeply relax with this thing that each and every one of us is uh unique and original and came here on earth even though we all most of us have nose and and maybe even a button nose and uh, two ears and and everything but yet we're we're all very different um dr seuss has a saying that i love today you are you that is truer than true there's no one alive that is youer than you <laughs> it's, it's very simple um what is the biggest challenge to come into our original voice. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to make a, a comment, Cara, if it's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting when things like the deathbed meditation and the snowflake theory, they start to sound like these real things or something. And yeah. honestly, they're simply observations that yeah. I've made in my own journey to separate from the cultural trance So in terms of the deathbed meditation, the cultural trance of what's important, what do we value? Is it outer accomplishment and things or something else here with this, like the snowflake theory? It's because I didn't fit in, you know, I didn't fit in. And when I tried to follow other people's paths, they never worked for me. They just didn't work. They weren't real. I could tell. And I hate the feeling of imitating or being like a copycat of someone else, like, oh, I'm just copying that person. But there's something else in me that really wants to be said, that's really coming up and forward. And that's different. So I had to get it that there was no one else like me, even the great 
lineage holders in the meditation traditions that I studied with, they lived at a different time. They mm-hmm. had uh, different concerns, etc. I had a set of parents that were unique to me and my siblings. I was born at a certain time stamp, unique to me. And when I started getting that, I was like, oh, this means I'm going to live from the inside out instead of the outside in. Outside in meaning like looking out there, looking for the mentor, the business mentor, who's magically going to bring together the depths of spiritual wisdom and a revolution in capitalism and nonprofit work who's going to make it all make sense and interview people all at the same time. Where is that person out there? Can I be like them? No, I had to just make it up. So I think that's really the key at a certain point. You stop looking outside, uh, even this whole, you know, fixation on having mentors and things like that, like just drop it all and start looking on the inside for what really wants to be born inside of you. And then the second part of your question, I I think had something to do with uh, why is that hard or what keeps people from doing it? Something like that. Is that, is that what you were wondering about? Yeah, it was just finding our original voice. I guess we we went from uh, pondering on crystal clear snowflakes to (laughs) the biggest challenges in coming into that original voice. Like what, what, yeah, what are the challenges? Yeah. I guess the, the I biggest, mean, one challenge would, yeah, share with The me. biggest challenge, the biggest challenge is none of us want to fail, be humiliated, be kicked out of the tribe. We don't want to look mm-hmm. stupid. I mean, that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. That's it. And it, it's, it's a real challenge. It's not a small challenge. It's a big challenge. And I had to spend years somehow being afraid that if I spoke out, I would get hung or shot or something, you know, uh, publicly crucified. I don't know what, something. All these ideas that I had deep inside of me, I don't know if they were part of my biographical lineage. I don't know if there were things that happened to me in past lives. I don't know if I was collect, you know, connecting to the collective unconscious of how women who are witches were, you know, burned at the stake. I don't really know. I had to go through a lot, though, because I had a lot of fear about coming forward. It was a lot easier for me to stay behind all these spiritual teachers, let them take the bullet, let them go up front. And I would edit their tapes in a closet at night. You know, that was, <laughs> that was relatively safe. I could do that. And then there was a certain point in my own development where I had, to, I knew the next step for me was to step forward. And I could feel it because it was like I was wearing a set of clothes that were too small. And I started feeling how the clothes were constricting me. I could feel it. I could feel my soul kind of busting out of these clothes that were too tight. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Uh, I, I'm going to have to do this really scary thing. And I had to get support, support from a therapist, support from friends. And then I had to do some trial and error. And then I had to say, oh, my God, I did it and I didn't die. Oh, my God, I got some criticisms online People said my voice sounded like I just smoked hash or people said (laughs) you sound even worse. You sound like a privileged person who never really had to earn it yourself because you came from a privileged background. I mean, all kinds of criticisms, you know, and I survived that, too. I'm okay, And I feel more fulfilled. Oh, that's important. And I'm reaching and helping more people. Oh, that's important. And I feel more creative in my life. I feel more alive. Oh, that's important. I'm going to keep doing it 
And as the saying goes, put on my big girl pants. I like that saying. Like, put on your big girl (laughs) pants and do it, Tammy. You can do it. And I do think it's a part of maturing as people. And it does take a lot of courage. Takes a lot of courage. We're going to take a short break and be back with Tammy Simon in just a few moments. Bringing a more conscious lifestyle to your world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free. AscendingHearts.com Vox Novus, the new voice. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Vox Novus, the new dimension. Vox Novus, thought and movement leaders who will share from their experience and offer tools to help us navigate our rapidly changing world. My name is Victor Furman. Join me every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Own Times Radio for Vox Novus, the new voice. These are the sounds of a dinner. A dinner that almost didn't happen. A dinner now served, thanks to people like you. Due to COVID-19, 17 million more Americans may face hunger. Feeding America is helping our neighbors in need. And if you're able, you can too. Donations are being accepted at feedingamerica.org slash coronavirus. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Feeding America. 200 Food Bank Strong. Welcome back to Voice Rising. I am your host, Cara Johnstad, and with me in studio today is Tammy Simon, founder of Sounds True, a multimedia publishing company dedicated to disseminating spiritual wisdom and host of a popular weekly podcast called Insights at the Edge. Tammy, we left off, um, we left off talking simply about how we can yeah, how how we can really be courageous and bold and brave, even if we have maybe shaky knees or don't really know where we belong, but we have that intuition that is strong. Sounds True has produced over 1,500 programs, maybe even more as we speak, and you have absorbed so many voices and messages and teachings while... Um, I'm sure reading all these books and disseminating all this wisdom. And somewhere you shared something that's very fascinating to me, and it kind of ties into where we left off before the break. You shared that books and programs do not give us answers, but give us the confidence to trust the darkness. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think 
you know, in a way, ready, here we go. The, yeah. uh, the deathbed meditation and the snowflake theory, these, uh, these uh, constructs out there, these theoretical constructs, I'm, I'm just joking, and trusting the darkness all come together. Because really, as we lie there and we imagine we're dying, that is a dark space. It's mm-hmm. the unknown space. Because none of us actually know. It's impossible to know with certainty what happens when we die. We don't. We People report near-death experiences. Those were near-death experiences. They came back. We just actually, I don't think, can 100% with confidence know this as human beings. So it's the ultimate darkness, the ultimate unknown. And I think at a certain point, we develop, a certain point on the spiritual journey, we develop utter confidence in the unknown. And each one of our unknown darknesses is filled, and this is where the snowflake comes in, with what's unique to us. What's unique to us? What's our karma unique to us? No one else has had all the experiences we've had leading up to this moment. What's needed from us? All the ways that will incarnate in the future to give and be generous and express ourselves. So as we sit in the darkness of any moment, just this moment right now, it's an open moment. We don't know what's going to happen right here, right here. It's totally open. But our uniqueness will come up with something that never before has happened if we let ourselves. You talked about this notion of being original, an original voice. And I actually love that phrase, original voice. The first person I ever heard it from was Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who has one of the most Mm -hmm. original voices of anyone I've ever met, the author of Women Who Run With the Wolves. Mm -hmm. The way I think of this idea of original voice is that we're connected to the origin, to our own origin, which means we're connected to source. And source, for me, is that ultimate open, dark space, the unknown, the void, And the more we're willing to let ourselves be connected to the void, I like to think of it as the fertile void. It's fertile with the next part of our life. And I think sometimes when we don't know what's next for ourselves, we move into this go, go, go mode. Like, I don't know what's next. Maybe I should do this. Maybe Maybe I'll call that person. Maybe I'll try coaching. Maybe I'll try that. La, la, la. Like, we're so busy, like a hamster on the wheel. And if we could just stop go into the darkness, go into the fertile void. What is our unique expression? It will be shown. It will come forward, even if it's a little mysterious and we don't even know what that next step, where it's going, we can feel, oh, that's the next step. That's the next step. Yeah. Voicing the void. That's... uh, um... That's what I. That's what I've always sensed. That we, we are all. Many of us are seeking, you know, the light, the enlightenment, and yet it's the darkness that is, as you said, fertile darkness that nurtures us. The, that holds those mighty oak trees up. It's the darkness that's, the, the womb, of of it all. Um, mm-hmm. 
or for, for that that was a big thing for me I think also as a woman to really because you're talking about somatic meditation in the beginning to really feel the the seat the belly the thighs the groundedness and not fly up into the the head or yeah for for me that was a that was only also just came in the last let's say 10 years to really relax into that um, mm-hmm. deeper place right mm-hmm. um yeah where would we like to go now because we have so many places I did find out something that was really funny that I don't know if you know because I was playing with sound and sounds true and sound mind and sound body and I'm sure you've played with all these things sleep soundly and safe and sound and then I looked at the origin of the word sound have you ever looked at the origin for the word word sound no I haven't and and this is for you Tammy Simon it comes from the Old Norse word zunt, which means gap. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> which, when I read that, I was like, okay, I'm actually, my ancestors are from Norway. And it comes from an Old Norse zunt, which, I mean, if you think of Milford Sound, too, it's a valley filled with water, but it's a narrow, it's a gap. So the original word zunt, sound, means gap and knowing your work and the beauty of that you give to the world and the yeah just the 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 space that you create um with your work that one can be nourished by words but still savor silence in between it all i thought that gap was a very it made me smile when i read that that's a gorgeous gift. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, um, you, yeah, you are, what did I say? You, you are known, you said you're starting a foundation, or you, you created a foundation a couple of years ago. You are amazing as far as your business is concerned. I believe that love is in one of the the bottom lines that you want as much as profit you guys want a great community and love um have you i i think you're managing dogs at work love at work how how is that vision for you how would you like to see the world move forward with us working in communities that are peaceful loving caring mm-hmm. Yeah, well, as I mentioned, we created this new nine-month training program, the Inner MBA, because we want to support the rise of conscious business in the world. I think it's a wave, it's an emergent, it's happening anyway. And I want to make sure that the people who are holding up these values in their organizations have the proper kind of wisdom-based training to make it real, because it really starts with ourselves. And interestingly, I think one of the great tools is it starts with this ability to initiate a gap inside yourself when you need it instead of reacting. So you're working with other people and somebody says something and you immediately find yourself being annoyed, something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you contradicting me? I'm clearly right. Something like that. Uh, That's a good moment to initiate a gap 
And uh, we can initiate a gap through learning various breathing techniques, visualizations, and learning to really work with our own nervous system and our own energy. The way you were describing working with the belly is a big open space. Mm -hmm. So that's important to me. Now, interestingly, let's track back 35 years ago when I'm just in the initial phases of forming Sounds True, way before words like conscious business were part of our vocabulary, before the idea of multiple bottom lines, conscious capitalism, none of this, integral business, none of this existed. But here I am, I'm just a young person who has inherited a small amount of money, $50,000 when my father died, when I was 21, and I decided I'm going to start this business. And I said to myself, there are three things I'm trying to do here. Three things. The first is that I really want to disseminate true spiritual wisdom, not the diluted stuff, but the real deal. So that was my first thing. And I said, that's a bottom line for me. That means I wake up in the morning and I want this business to do it. And we'll be successful if we do that. Then the second thing I said is I want us to treat each other with a whole lot of love and respect. I want the time that we spend together working with each other, working with the authors who are the teachers, interacting with our customers, interacting the, with the vendors that we were buying cassette tapes from at the time. I want all of that to be done in a way that is honorable, and even more than that, gorgeous, gorgeous, and that we use it for our personal growth as individuals. And sometimes we refer to this as the relationship bottom line or the love bottom line, that what we're doing is we're being true to our, our mission, real spiritual wisdom, that's what we're putting out, and we're creating good relationships which sometimes involves difficult conversations, real conflict, apologies, all kinds of things. It's not a bed of roses or whatever the saying is. It's yeah, work. Yeah. It is yeah. real work. But we're committed to it. And here's the interesting thing. Those two bottom lines at the business are non-negotiable. There is never a reason to cross those lines. There's never a reason not to be true to those two things. And then our third bottom line that we're performing towards is that we want to be a profitable business. And interestingly, that's the bottom line where there's the most wiggle room. You know, we have to make some profit. And if in a certain year, and there have been a couple of years in our 36 year history where we've lost money, that's okay. As long as we make it up the next year, or the year after, can't do that for very long. Or as we say, you know, no margin, no mission, we won't be around. But there are some years where we've made a lot of money and some years where we've made a little. And that's okay. When we make a lot of money, we can reinvest it in the business. We can grow new divisions. We can open up new petals. Open up new petals. Tammy Simon, thank you so much for joining me here today at Voice Rising. Keep up your amazing, wild, original, fabulous work for this world. Thank you. Many blessings. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 